Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. All right, did y'all did y'all bring your notes so far? I mean, here we are today, August 2023. Did you bring your notes? I I thought it'd be good if we could just review our notes about what we've learned about planet Earth so far, right? So the one I the top one I have is when you approach a fountain of liquid chocolate and you grab a strawberry and you're about to put the strawberry in the chocolate, something happens when you get close to the chocolate that makes it kind of a surreal experience. So you can check that one off. And then don't run with scissors. That's a myth. Throwing scissors overhand is so much faster. Just get, just cock your arm back and give them a huck. And it's so much faster than running with scissors. Oh, um, number three, all the religions all over the planet have saviors and none, zero, none of those saviors have have brought peace to the planet for any sustainable amount of time. We're we're sitting here and and governments are rattling their sabers looking for a, a fight and and we're a long way from peace on earth and heaven on earth. We're a long way from peace on earth and heaven on earth. And so the saviors from all the religions have scored a zero as far as saving all of humanity. And, you know, if I look at that column, the column right next to it, academics, academics could be included in that because all the professors, all the PhDs, all the Nobel laureates, all the academic community has not stopped it either. Well, wait, here's here's uh, governmental guidance and direction. Well, the wheels fell off that a while ago. So it it seems like the, the the savior archetype was never intended to be a single persona that comes down and waves a wand, and all of a sudden there's peace on earth and waves it again, and now we're in heaven. It's like the humans have to choose it. The humans have to, I think what the saviors were trying to do, not save us as an individual persona, but to follow their example. So how are we doing with following their example? Let's look at that column. Oh, wait, we, the people, suck at bringing heaven to earth. I think it lands in our lap. I think the buck stops in our lap, we, the people, what can we do with our persona? What can we do with our human genome? Because here we are. I mean, who can deny the saber rattling that's happening on the planet today? War in the talk of war. So all these metrics kind of suck because here we are. Here we are. If any of these modalities would have worked, we wouldn't be here. And here we are. Huh. Huh. Something's got to give there. 
Well, I think tonight's episode is going to hit this right on the head, right smack on the head, because you have a life right now. You've come this far in your journey. I assume you have flesh and bones. You have a body, a human genome. Your soul chose a life purpose for you in this lifetime. Is that coming about? Are you giving it your your attention and intention? Because it's today that you can have influence on the collective narrative. It's today, this now and this now. Doesn't matter what your religion is. Doesn't matter what your academic upbringing is. Those metrics have demonstrated themselves. I think it's it's our own it's our own persona. It's our own human demeanor. We came here for the human experience. How do we figure it out from the human perspective? Cool, cool. Well, tonight's show, um, wow, I just, I think <laughs> we're going to have a fantastic show, but um, we've talked about like near-death experiences many times on this show, and and. I've noticed a theme behind a lot of them as kind of a wake-up call to the person, to the persona that has a near-death experience. It's like, wait a minute, when I came out of that, my perspective shifted. And tonight, tonight it's all about expanding our perception, our perspective of what, or perhaps we could say who we might be in this lifetime now. I think we're supposed to be our own individual personal saviors. That makes the most sense. Humanity's got to choose to stand up and choose what direction we want to go. I don't want to take up too much time because our guest tonight has a, a lot to offer. The topic tonight, leaving the trap, how to exit reincarnation cycle. And our guest tonight is Isabella Green. We're going to bring her on in just a minute. This shows uh, what I really like about Isabella's perspective is um, her the clarity of her vision beyond the veil. To um, to go on record, I don't I don't have this. Uh, uh, I don't astrally project that I'm aware of. I'm sure I do it in my dreams, but my conscious mind doesn't do it. There's the fourth dimension or the etherical realm where um, angels hang out and whatnot. And I'm not privy to that in a, in a oh, they're over there and they're, and they're sipping on the whiskey again. I, I don't perceive it that way. And, and to uh, what I, I like about Isabella's perspective is uh, she's quite fluent in that arena. Now, if, if this kind of a narrative is curious to you, there's there's never been a moment or a day when you haven't been in the environment that you're in. In other words, when we talk about tuning into other realms, these realms have been active 24-7 since the beginning of time. So it's not like a new thing is showing up. It's just expanding our awareness. And with that said, let's get to it. 
Again, the topic tonight is leaving the trap. How to exit reincarnation cycle. Is reincarnation entrapment awaiting you? How do we prepare? What do we do with our life? How do we prepare for the final departure? And is the departure really final? Leaving the trap offers practical guidance and vivid short stories from beyond the veil. The book takes the reader on a journey of out-of-body and near-death experiences, astral projection into heaven and hell, quantum travel through the cosmos, and the higher realms, past life memories, and the author's real-life experiences that provide insights into what may be waiting for us in the afterlife. The book offers recommendations on how to prepare for the final exit, interact with beings that greet us after death, and ultimately escape from the cycle of reincarnation trapping souls on earth. Join me in welcoming Isabella to the show. Isabella, it's nice to have you on the show. Welcome. Hi, Les. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Well... Leaving the trap now. Now, what the book is preparing us for is those moments after we pass, after we cross over. There, our consciousness moves into the afterlife, and and just because we've crossed over doesn't mean there's no drama on the other side. (laughs) (laughs) Great perspective, ALS. Right, and so. I mean, if I'm a green bean, in other words, if I've never thought about um, what happens in the moments after after I pass, how would you how would you describe it from from the perspective of the person transitioning? I mean, what's what's actually happening to their consciousness? As far as I know from my own near-death experiences and also multiple stories of other people's near-death experiences and also observing what happens with the soul at the moment of passing through the healing sessions that I facilitated or just my presence was requested by the client at the moment of their relative's passing and my non-physical eyes uh, were were on and my non-physical presence were there. So I observed uh, the moment of the soul coming out of the body and usually there is a blast of white light or there is a tunnel right there. Sometimes there are a couple tunnels depending on what uh, each individual person's story is couple tunnels. One of them would be the white light tunnel that everyone talks about, and uh, there might be a non-terrestrial presence as well with their own tunnel um, inviting that soul. Or they, they don't really do anything. They allow the, the soul to choose for themselves. But for the most standard scenario, we have a blast of white light, and then the person flies through the a tunnel of white light, and that tunnel spits you out into the afterlife dimension. You're immediately greeted by uh, the beings that you believe in the most. If you believe in angelics, you're going to see angels. If you believe in um, a specific religious figure, ascended masters, you're going to see these. 
representations or if you don't believe in any of that, you're going to see your deceased relatives as they present you with the life review, tell you you are not so good, you made people suffer on earth and you have to go back and pay off your karma. You say okay and after that you rest for a little bit until the new body is there for you and then you return back to earth and start all over again and you are in between um, in the astral plane is where you rest uh, but uh, the moment you you start traveling back to uh, come into physical form majority of the people are uh, wiped so to speak they they forget their previous life they forget the the afterlife they forget everything they forget their higher their access to the higher consciousness pretty much you just pop in um and you're a tiny baby once again and there were a few teachers who were conscious in their mother's womb like uh, yogananda uh, wrote about that in his uh, book, The Autobiography of a Yogi. Um, a few people remember. I remembered um, being in my mother's woman and the moment of birth and feeling completely helpless um, in the body that was impossible to use because it's just this tiny baby body of a, a kind of grown-up big consciousness in the tiny baby body. But I remembered that years later, um, not while I was in the womb, I was—I did not remember any of that. But recently, in my meditations, I remembered the whole story. So this is kind of like the cycle of reincarnation for you, right? So what what you're saying is the the uh, I guess I'd say the perspective or the attitude of what we expect after we cross over will be manifest by our own consciousness. For example, if I'm raised in a uh, a small town that's um, uh, naive and I fly to New York City and I see um, all, all the different um, flavors of humanity, how I perceive right. that will, will be based on the attitude I'm bringing with me. Right. So so I could see beautiful big buildings and lavish cars or I could see slums or um and, and and so when we go into the afterlife that that expectation that we have is literally what seeds our experience. So in in becoming aware of this now and you've written a book about it how can we kind of sculpt our expectation, or in other words, how could we reprogram our expected narrative experience so when we cross over, we're more aware of the choices, or you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, we are very much presented with, with the same exact story and the same exact choice right here while we're still on Earth, so because we're being prepared for complying with what happens once we come out of our bodies and we are facing the beings on the other side, which I call the handlers. They are the, the beings that run the reincarnation cycle. When you encounter um, a being looking like one of the ascended masters um, in the afterlife, 
it is not the actual ascendant master. It is one of the shape-shifting beings that are running the show there, uh, just making you more comfortable. So um, that is what manifests there. And also, there is a slight variation as far as I've seen through my astral projection, um, slight variation as far as what heaven looks like, but majority of people expect kind of like garden-like, garden variety of stuff with uh, what I've seen too is it's kind of a transparent rainbow-like colors and the soft, very pleasant um, space there, and it feels like and the music of the spheres is coming from all around, and it's really uplifting, and you also feel this kind of feeling of love coming from all directions, and when people experience that this during the near-death experiences, it, it influences them so much that they come back changed. Um, the lower astral is where I would suggest that's where what we call hell is. Nothing is burning there, but it's definitely not a very pleasant environment. And so I don't say, I wouldn't suggest that um, what we experience as far as the environment of the afterlife is going to match what we believe in. But the beings that we experience in the afterlife are definitely going to match what we believe in. So to... Uh, overcome the conditioning is the way to go. Basically, question everything and also start experiencing. If you find it within yourself uh, to ask or project, you can do that and observe these things happening here. Or you can even bypass the whole astral realm and go into what I call quantum travel, which I discovered uh, by accident kind of through advanced <laughs> meditative techniques. Yeah, and that takes you right past, uh, right, right past the astral plane, right past the whole afterlife dimension, right past the beings, and, and then you can explore other realities. And so practice and exploration and curiosity and drop in uh, the limits and beliefs or the uh, scenarios that are being pushed onto us from all directions, as this would be the way to go. So what you're saying is, like, um, I remember um, getting off the train in Amsterdam, and Am- I want to say right off the ta- top, I love Amsterdam and the right. and the Dutch, and it's it was a wonderful city, but I get off the train with my kids, just me and my three kids, and and we were swooped upon by these peddlers, um, prominent, you know, here, take, uh, um, they swooped in to try to uh, persuade us, right? And and so, so on the other side of the veil, there's that same caliber of a person, so to speak. And to get street smart, to get street smart when when somebody approaches you and says, okay, so I don't want to pick on Amsterdam exclusively. We were in Paris and we're skipping down the stairs and uh, me and my kids and we were laughing and we were stopped and they put a string around our finger and they start weaving uh, a thread. And by the end of the thread, they're like, well, I've done all this work. You you should buy this from me for, you know, like eight euros or something. I'm like, what the crap? I mean, you interrupted us, but that didn't matter. 
But I'm just saying um, people that want to take advantage of your ignorance. Yeah, I I heard one of my um, friends whose story is in my book, a short story of his um, near-death experiences in my book, but he went through a few rounds of negotiations with the handlers because they're going to keep looking for the weak spot. And the weak spot could be, I call it love trapping or guilt tripping or pushing into not good enough, our standard conditioning within the earth plane here that is pressured onto us through marketing nowadays since industrialization started on the planet Earth. So um, he described the beings that he was negotiating with. He was saying, I'm not going back. And they were saying, but, 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 but do this, but, but, but this, but that. And then uh, they arrived at the point where they were suggesting to him that, hey, you know, if we go back, we will, we will give you what you want. Um, and he was still saying no. And then they will, then, so there were a few different kinds um, the first the first round was with one kind of being and beings and they said oh he's figuring it out and and the more um, ascended master like beings replaced that them and again these were the ones offering him and he he just described them as a um, pusher like the car salesman this kind of thing and right. they won't leave him alone he went through. Uh, a few a few rounds of these negotiations, and at the end, when they figured that he's not uh, agreeing to anything, they even offered him to go to a different planet that will, life will be a little easier there. Um, he was not agreeing, and so they trapped him. They tricked him into going into a astral maze, and out of that, there was no way out except uh, through whatever through a trick, and then. At the door, and he opened the door, and he was back into his body. So. Right. Well, I mean, the gullibility of human beings on the planet is quite obvious. We've we've <laughs> just look at at some of the choices of humanity. Um, it seems like there's a, a real tug of war for the the biggest narrative. Who can get the most people to believe their narrative? So it's it's not too surprising. Well, now, if I'm a listener to the show and I don't really have a, a psychic perception of of the notion of, like, astral projection or um, near-death experiences can be similar to that, but where your, um, you, your awareness goes outside of the physical realm into the astral realm, how can how would you describe the astral realm in just uh, simple terms? Astral realm is just the layer around Earth, and I do not anymore suggest to people to to astral project because you're going to hit a ceiling. Um, astral realm is let's just say if we want if we use numbers is the space that's beneath the fifth dimension, four point nine D. It cuts off right there, and you are going to experience like a glass ceiling or like um, one of the people, like that friend that I'm mentioning, he calls it the firmament. Um, 
he described it as this sticky, gooey kind of thing that you can't get through. I experienced it as as just bouncing off something that would bounce me back. And you also get um, harassed by all different types of spirits trying to um, make you uncomfortable there so that you can get back into the body and stuff. So after projection takes you around Earth's plane, you will encounter plant spirits, animal spirits, uh, you will encounter disincarnate souls that are getting away from the handlers for a short period of time. There's a lower astral dimension, like I said, and that's very uncomfortable. That's where the mazes are. This is where uh, there are astral wars, So, and, and everything is figured out through conflict. So it's very similar to, and you get harassed there as a spirit. So it's very similar to Earth plane, maybe even darker at some part in some way. But... The upper astral is where you have some influence um, on the environment, like you mentioned. Like if you want to uh, envision yourself, if you want to envision yourself in some beautiful environment, then that environment kind of manifests around you. But it's all earth plane uh, or similar or close to earth plane. Uh, past that dimension... Uh, we go into higher realms, and they kind of start unfolding. And the, these are just states of consciousness. But um, if you are able, if you if you are willing to put the effort into learning how to um, generate out-of-body experiences for yourself at will and quantum travel, not astral project, quantum travel, that's, I just... I just call it quantum travel because it's an instant um, and you hop past uh, the astral plane and then after that it's the cosmos and you can reach the space uh, that is considered source consciousness um, as a void or people in in the Hinduistic tradition call it the state of samadhi. Um, So the state of samadhi... uh, you end up in a state of samadhi, and that is uh, you dissolve into the fabric of reality that creates and sustains worlds, everything and nothing at the same time. Right. Well, um, I remember a moment in my life that I didn't see coming, and it's like my soul grabbed me by the nap of my neck, metaphorically, and just took me up and up and up and up and up and up and up, and I would, I went through uh, whatever, and it was non-local space. It was like there was nothing there. I mean, there's nothing to describe because there is nothing there except just awareness. And, exactly. And and in that, uh, I would say it's a white light, but it's not a white light. It's just mm-hmm. radiant consciousness. And my soul showed it to me. This is like 12 years ago. And I'm like, there was no me there to think. But right. then when I when I traverse back down into my body, the, that spectrum from being in that non-local space and then returning to my body showed to me in hindsight when I reflected on that, that showed me the the spectrum of human potential as we go from a low vibration to a high vibration, and then we take that step from 
duality into non-duality, and everything's gone in non-duality. Right. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, the the void is, is really dark, physically dark. There's no light there uh, of any sort. Uh, the dimension before that, or cl- when, when uh, the um, form starts to take place, or the consciousness starts to um, take some sort of experience of place or, or form. Right. As that, that's where it's iridescent and somewhat kind of um, has these uh, colors, colors of awareness, if you wish. Um, sure. White light I have not seen in, in that space, but I have definitely seen uh, the space where it's, it appears to be completely dark there, but you do not exist any longer as a personality, as a human being. Uh, right. But you are aware of everything, and you are connected to everything um, simultaneously. And at the same time, it seems like there is nothing there at all. So this is uh, my experience of the void um, and I just love that state of being. It's it's absolutely un- undescribable. I've, I go there since since I found my way, and I I've uh, performed or or perfected my uh, the technique that took me there the first time. And after the first time, I was like, I have to do this all the time. <laughs> So, I want to go back. <laughs> I've been going back. So I've been doing this uh, the technique in the middle of the night because it's the best time uh, between 1 and 4 a.m. So like at this day and time, just recently I started getting up at 2. Before that, it was 3.30. Um, so I get up and I, I do the breath work and I sit with... Well, the body just sits, but I'm not no longer in the room um, right. because yeah. I go r- right into that space. So I've been doing this for nine years. I'm pretty comfortable getting out of the body and just going into the void, if you wish. Um, and from that space, um, and once you're out of the uh, limitations of the astral plane, uh, then you really can go anywhere in, in the cosmos and, and check out any um, beings or planets or um, anything physical and non-physical as well. Yeah, and if you're a listener and you're thinking, well, wait a minute, th- there's this non-local space, and when you go in there, there's no you. Ah, help, help, there's no me. What happens? The, right. the day you were born... Everyone, everyone, the day we were born, we didn't have an ego to speak of. We didn't have a sense of self. So there's an example of you in this lifetime, this lifetime, when you had no sense of self and you were a newborn baby. So that was, I mean, um, there's an example of losing your sense of self. It's not a big deal. It's not like... um, it doesn't feel this uh, uncomfortable at all. Well, so I've heard now, here's a question for you, because I've heard this from other sources. Have you heard about the corridor of time? And and I heard you, you had to 
some to ask about it, but it's a part of the um, etherical realm where you can go, like, uh, I might butcher this, but I'm going to try it anyway. Like, say you, you write a book to help um, suicidal people, and you publish it, and then you go astrally down the corridor of time, you can look and see the effect your book had, and then come back and say, well, I didn't really write enough about raising your energy to come out of depression, you know, to to go to the gym or to eat better food or something like that. And you come back and you change your book and then you go forward through the corridor of time. It, it's like a way to do a temporal slip to, to look at the, how the choices you're making now play out in the future. Like the time travel experience kind of thing, right? Right. Yeah, well, there is a simpler way when you, if you have a question or if you want to reflect upon how did my did my book uh, cover what it was supposed to cover, what's missing there, did it help people in the future and the past, you go into the void <laughs> and you come back into your body and you have the answers because all of the information is already out there. There's, right. there's nothing that does not exist in that state of being. If you have a question, you travel out of body. With that question, you come back, you're going to have your answer. That's how I get my answer. So I don't know about the corridor of time. That's a, that's a uh, time travel perspective, but you can get the same result through uh, a different way, like I'm saying. Well, now... Um when I looked at your web page, you have some some modalities that you work with clients. And, you know, um, one thing I've learned over the years on this show is that our subconscious, um, our subconscious uh, imprinting when we're a kid and perhaps subconscious um, karmic tendencies or motivations that we bring from past lives um, some of your modalities when you work with clients, you you look at their psyche over a, a much longer span of time than than just a like a here now today kind of uh, technique. Yeah, I'll look at the entire picture if I can help it. So I have the session that covers starting from the cosmic origin let's say if the person carries the non-terrestrial dna we now know that everyone carries the non-terrestrial dna where they're connected to where they have and let's just say as a multi-dimensional being where they are having the experience outside of the earth plane then we move through uh past life stories and then we move through uh, the whole uh, flow of time in their soul's development and influence of light and dark in this reality from the moment of conception and on what they took on from their parents. I look at all of that and uh, we move through all the decades of their life to the present day. And during the pre- when we look at the present day, um, I offer them psycho-emotion, a psycho-emotional exercise to help them 
overcome whatever conditioning that they did not notice. And very often people would take 30 years of therapy and still don't know why they keep doing the same thing over and over or why there is a repeating pattern or whatever. And I have created a very short-to-the-point exercise that uh, leaves no questions left there. The person just can see exactly what, what happened and what's in their way. And I also offer them uh, recommendations and guidance coaching as to how to move past all that conditioning. So my sessions cover a whole lot. It, the, the session, I, I take a person to take a day off. They're going to need a day off because of how much information they're going to receive. Plus, you and I on the session um, spend at least about five hours together plus the intermission. So it is an all-day involvement, and it takes a lot of my focus, and I utilize all of the skills that I have acquired. So in the first call, I'm in trance, and I'm doing all of the multidimensional work and the um, energetic adjustments and the non-physical stuff. And on the second call, we're very much down to earth having a um, conversation and discussion and exercises like we're talking now. Well, you know, like uh, a lot of times your soul, so uh, you, the listener, have a soul, and your soul's, before you were born, before you were born, your soul's looking at the dynamic going, huh, what kind of household would... um, (laughs) Sometimes it's uh, chosen to give you a train wreck experience. In other words, (laughs) you might incarnate into a really tough household with domestic violence or whatever, or you might incarnate into a household that's the polar opposite of your life purpose. Like in, in my family dynamic, it was a really staunch religious household where all the questions were answered. Everybody had the same answer. It's like a Twilight episode. Go talk to the policeman, same answer. Go talk to the teacher, same answer. And what came out of that from my, and I'm the last of seven, I wanted to question everything because I didn't like the same answer. So my soul chose a like polar opposite. And until our ego is aware of that, which is what I like about your sessions, is is you can... Um, look at that broader um, perspective, and then and then tell the our egos now. Well, you might think your your life's about this, but actually, the you know that new information can help us have a better understanding of the why we're here. Right, and I would also add here that um, I can see the soul coming in at the moment of conception. So I go in the past, I work with the past to assist the present to co-create the future for a person. So uh, like we clean up previous timelines to generate a new timeline. Um, And I show them their highest potential five years from now. That's also a part of the session. But I very often um, see the soul coming in and I can tell if they're matched to the mother or match to the father. I can see the trail of trauma through the mother's ancestral line and father's ancestral line, and I can see very often if the soul is coming in 
uh, to because they believe they they want to help that mother. Let's say mother is in a devastated, abusive marriage, and the soul is coming in because it's a part of their soul group, and they've been incarnating together a million times before, and they that is, used to be her husband, and now that's her her daughter coming in, and she right. wants to be there to help mom. And there's also there's also the law of attraction. Uh, in a way where you continue, you match the vibrational state that um, of the previous lifetime. But there's a next level to it too, and the level is uh, the whole concept of karma that's presented to us by the handlers. Yeah, you were terrible in the previous lifetime. Uh, you now have to go back and suffer with these people, you were, let's say, bad to these people in the previous lifetime, now you have to go back and take the suffering with these same people, and that's called pain of karma, but that generates uh, the energy of suffering, and so that is artificially inflicted. So there are many, many different degrees and of why you land into a specific family. There is also a belief that if you're an advanced soul, you will, you will find yourself in the most challenging circumstances um, to find your way back to who you are, like in your story, because uh, you've already been there, done that so many hundreds of thousands of times that you're so tired of it that you just uh, <laughs> agree to, okay, let's, let's create more the most challenging environment so that I could at least not be so bored this lifetime. <laughs> to be so bored. The <laughs> well, you know, because um, when I was a kid growing up, my dad was a World War II vet, and he was an intense man. He would cut yeah. you in half with a glare. He, right. and so up till about maybe five years ago, well, whatever, 10, 15, uh, he, I saw him as a, a troubled, angry man, but, but I've learned so much about him lately that his soul paid a big ass price being a soldier in World War II in the Pacific and right. his psyche was seared with horror. It was right. seared and and that set up a train wreck household dynamic for me to be born into and right. and what i got out of that is i'm a tenacious psalm bitch i mean i'm a stubborn bullheaded you can get in my face all you want i'll just headbutt you and keep walking <laughs> right <laughs> because of, and, and because of my dad right and and so here is the benefit right you have that training from day one, he puts you through one heck of a training there. Secondary, when we become, when we um, grow into having awareness about why people are a certain way, right. it's easier to not take it personally and right. to be to be more compassionate to them, knowing that if a father is throwing, like going through a temper episode, that's because something triggered his terrible uh, experience, like the memory, or he's going through PTSD at that moment, and it has nothing to do with you. You just accidentally stopped on that mind that blew up right, uh, yes. right there. So. 
um, the more, the less ignorant we are, the easier it is to um, get along and see why we are in these relationships and also how, um, why our loved ones act in the way they are. Well, and and we were told. I mean, a lot of religious dynamics say, "Oh, you know, don't don't look over there. That's oh, look this way." And and that keeps us ignorant. And if we're ignorant, then we can't make uh, cog- cognitive choices. And and so to um, become aware of of astral realms, become aware of your angels, become aware of your life purpose, become aware of the reason why your soul chose your household dynamic. Like you said, it takes a, it's it's not such a personal journey and then you can shake you know, shake it off like a wet dog and not carry it as a burden and you live a light a more light hearted life. And that's always a desirable thing to do. I agree because it is an individual choice. I mean, we can have all the karma we want uh, or don't want. We can have the most terrible upbringing we want, but we are the creators of our experiences. So if we put an effort into by uh, overcoming all that, we arrive at the clean slate, and then from that point on, we really have a choice about uh, what we do with, with ourselves, whether we continue to be victim of all this, or whether we take charge of what we create for ourselves. And interesting, because right before the show, I uh, came across the quote here from Bhagavad Gita because I am now researching uh, that uh, because I was just recently told that what I'm doing, the practices that I'm doing are very similar to the ancient yogic practices. And I, I was blown away. I didn't know that. So here is here's a quote about uh, spiritual practices. Even he, with the worst of karma, who ceaselessly meditates on uh, the God consciousness, quickly loses the effects of his past bad actions. Becoming a high-souled being, he soon attains uh, permanent peace. And I can tell you that this is absolutely accurate because this somehow um, over the years happened with me through just my practices. I keep saying um, if we can generate the inner peace every day, we are able to contribute to the peace on earth, something you were talking about at the beginning of the show. Uh, And to me, uh, considering everything I've been through and how um, active my psyche was and how intense and insane all that was, all the internal stuff was before, and right now I'm calm as a Hindu cow, as they say. So (laughs) all that... All that happened through just these advanced meditative practices. I did not deliberately uh, try to generate that, but you do come into the state of inner peace, and your relationships and your environment calms down significantly because it's just a reflection. 
Wow. I used to work on uh, a dairy farm, and we would milk 300 cows a day. And, 300 and I Hindu cows. Yeah. And I, I couldn't tell if they were Hindu or not, but they seemed pretty chill. You know, it's it's kind of hard to get a cow excited. I mean, right. yeah. I, I I know they're they're good at spreading shit around. I mean, not uh, metaphorically, anyway. <laughs> right. Well, uh, um, so how is your understanding of the astral plane and everything you've learned through opening up this this psychic awareness in yourself? How has that changed your approach to your life? Well, I've left dealing or exploring the astral plane in my 20s. I started at 17, and I've done a whole lot of exploring of the astral plane until about 24. And so I am not going to even go into the astral plane because I don't like the astral plane anymore. Like um, I mentioned earlier, it's not. It's it's just well, the next level of Earth. It's the quantum yeah. one then. Well, then how has the quantum one changed your perspective? Right. Once once I, the first time, experienced the leap into the void or into that quantum field of information, if you wish, or the source consciousness, the primordial field, the uh, God or the... the um, Christ consciousness, you can, all of these words, they all mean the same thing. They mean the fabric of reality that creates and sustains worlds. Once you experience that, you are forever changed. And um, things just started unfolding in my life. First of all, my abilities started getting stronger all by themselves. I kept... I kept meditating and I kept finding that now I can do this thing and now I can do that thing and now um so my the array of abilities came online uh I have again I've attained the state of general calmness and peace and I'm a very used to be I'm like fire and fire degree and fire all over fire is the astrology that I was born under but I am no longer very fiery I would now say I'm more like a Libra or more like a Virgo kind of just you know down to earth and grounded and stuff so the uh, emotional healing took place. I did pay attention to that all the time because you do go through uh, the phase when you, uh, you you become very aware while you're doing that breath, the yogic breath, tantric kriya, kundalini, pranayam, or the uh, cosmic cobra breath. While you're doing that, you become very aware of what's in your subconscious space. So it helps you to clear that and then the uh, desires just started falling off of me uh, and I literally right now uh, can describe my lifestyle as like the lifestyle of purity and service all I do is I work with people I help people um, I help people in my meditations as well I do sessions for people because I need to make a living for that I charge and then also um, I'm in an empty house in the middle of the desert pretty much and I am 
absolutely compound and and if you told me the same thing 20 years ago i would have laughed at your face you know even 10 years ago um so these are just uh, the and then the connection to the cosmos and the ability to receive the information and then um I mean, I can go on and on. I just don't remember all of the side effects of this practice because um, it's it, when when you're in it, it's not like you're sitting there writing a list. Yeah. Right. So, well, so. you know, you, you talk about an empty house, and I I really like that because um, I've been noodling the notion of freedom. Personal freedom. And so you have a choice. It's like, well, uh, here's this new thing, and I could get emotionally attached to this new thing, but I would lose part of my freedom because of the attachment. And it's okay. like, uh, I prefer freedom. And so yeah. it, it, you kind of make the house empty, and by having an empty house, you're free from anything dragging you through the week, so to speak. Yeah, and and I when I decided to move from New York City to Sedona, um, I literally got rid of everything, and that was in 2012. And whatever fit in the car, uh, that's what I brought. And I haven't really purchased anything since. I I have like the chair and the desk for my office. I have the bed I sleep in. And I have my kitchen, and and the rest of the house is empty. I also have a studio where I record things, but that's a part of work. Um, the rest of the house is completely open space. And when people walk in, they ask me, uh, like, "Wow, did you just move in? You still didn't bring your furniture here?" <laughs> well. <laughs> no, but you're talking about freedom. So freedom is something I've been seeking my entire life. I I was always um, speaking for personal freedom and and, uh, seeking to attain my own personal freedom. And I feel that I have, uh, to the highest degree uh, of the present day, achieved that for myself. But the book that I am offering is for the uh, to support the freedom of choice for each right. individual soul so that the person knows that if they don't want to come back and suffer and earth more for another 300 incarnations they have a choice to get out they will have to work for it but they still have a choice and uh, this supports the freedom of choice of the soul and then also that the soul can travel out of the limitations uh, of the astral dimension around Earth plane and experience um, incredible realities that uh, we're told are unreachable, but they're reachable. This is also the freedom of choice and also attain the state of higher consciousness if you want to within this lifetime without without having to be a saint or the savior you were talking about earlier. We're in the day and time when we have enough resources and information that ignorance is a choice. We uh, really have enough resources and information that allows us to 
go as far into the potentials of the human experience as we want to, as we allow ourselves, and that is uh, the personal freedom right there. Right. Well, an hour goes by pretty fast, and I want to make sure the audience knows about you, your website, the services you have to offer. Can you tell us all about yourself? Right. So I am... um, if they want a session with me, they can send me a session request through my website, Isabella Green, G-R-E-E-N-E, um, with an E there, IsabellaGreen.com. My book is available on Amazon exclusively at this time, and the book is Leaving the Trap, How to Exit a Reincarnation Cycle. I also have a YouTube channel, and that is also Isabella Green. That's very easy. And I am on Facebook. I have my um, healers page, and I also have my profile where now I am actually um, next week opening a group for exiting reincarnation for those who are interested in this subject so that I could um, answer questions. There are so many questions people are sending me. I'm not even able to read all of those, but I want to, to channel that all into one space like a group. So that's um, hopefully, fingers crossed, I'll get to it next week to do that. And all of the interviews that I've done so far, th- those that are on YouTube, uh, they are under Community tab on my YouTube channel. So you guys can go ahead and check it out, including the really exciting Coast to Coast AM that I was on in July. Well, very nice. Uh, I've really enjoyed this episode, Isabella. I want to thank you for being our guest tonight. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you, Les. It it truly was my pleasure, and thank you for your um, really interesting and stimulating questions. (laughs) We... (laughs) We've been talking with Isabella Green, and the topic tonight has been her latest book, Leaving the Trap, How to Exit Reincarnation Cycle. You know, at the end of the day, your divinity expressing itself. If you go to the core of your being, there is the, the portal of source consciousness. The Father and I are one. The kingdom of heaven is within you're you're being um, powered, so to speak, from source consciousness. So no matter how crazy the rodeo seems, no matter how crazy, quote, reality, unquote, seems, you are safe. The essence of you cannot be touched by human intentions or any other intentions. Sure, you can have a chapter of a rodeo, a chapter of a struggle, a chapter of separation, but it all resolves and returns back to source consciousness all the time. The continuity of your consciousness is assured. The continuity of your consciousness is outside of the reach of your ego, and thank God our ego can't bugger it up too. Well, we could bugger it up pretty bad, but it can always be resolved as time passes. We're never stuck we always have free will. We have new choices we can make now and now and now forever. And and so it, there's nothing to panic or worry about. 
we're the, the, the at our core we're indestructible uh, personifications of the divine. What a fun episode! I, I knew Isabella was going to bring a perspective that that would r- really uh, bring it front and center, bring it right up, right up front, and I really appreciate that about her. I've, I myself have enjoyed this episode as well. I want to thank you, the listener, for joining us tonight. It's always a pleasure. Until next time, thanks for listening. You've been listening to a New Human Living broadcast. I'm your host, Les Jensen. Let me ask you a question. How many times during today, this day, has your heart and soul had direct communication with you? Our egos, left unchecked, will easily consume all of our thoughts and consciousness as we go throughout the day where we really are living an ego-led life. But our ego cannot even comprehend the vision our soul has for us. If you want to increase your personal power, make space throughout your day for your heart and soul to inspire you. Citizen King, The New Age of Power is a book I wrote just for that. I want to thank you for joining us tonight. I appreciate it. Until next time, thanks for listening.